Uh, now, let's jump right on into the study tonight. Let's turn in our Bibles. Let's turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter number 21. Acts chapter number 21. Uh, and, and here's what we're going to do. <clears throat> we we, we kind of... We kind of have to cover the whole chapter, but we don't have time to cover the whole chapter in detail. And so we're going to pick out uh, three different specific uh, sets of verses in this chapter and describe three different groups of people that Paul had to deal with in, in the, the latter part of his ministry. His ministry is fixing to change drastically. Uh, he is going from a free man to a witness in chains. He's fixing to be uh, incarcerated in some kind of custody uh, from the the from this point to the rest of his the rest of his life, really, uh, in the rest of his ministry. And there's three specific groups of people I want to talk about tonight that a lot of times we'll face too uh, in our ministry and our our efforts to serve the Lord. And, and everything in between is kind of incidental. So, so let's focus on these three parts. So just, just follow along with me. We're going to jump around a little bit. And, uh, so look in Acts 21 in verse number, uh, verse number three. Now, now just kind of a setup here. Remember, Paul is finishing up his third missionary journey. He has, he has gone and, and taken up a, a massive offering from the Gentile churches. Uh, uh, through the Mediterranean there, and he's bringing the, those those offerings back to Jerusalem to to help with the famine, to help with the poor uh, uh, believers there, the poor disciples that are there in Jerusalem, and and he's doing that on purpose. He's trying to he's trying to bring them together. He's trying to show uh, the the Jewish believers in Jerusalem uh, that they're, they're they are one with the church, that they are one with the Gentile believers also. And he's really praying and hoping that this will kind of cement their relationship and bring an appreciation uh, for the Gentile believers in the Gentile churches also. So with that being said, he's on his way back to Jerusalem. He is in the in the midst of that trip. He's in the midst of that journey. And the first place that we're going to talk about is Tyre. Tyre, T-Y-R-E. Uh, it is on the, the coast. It's on the Mediterranean coast, which would be now in modern day Lebanon. Uh, and, and, and he is, we're going to start there and then he's going to move down the coast to Caesarea before they actually get into Jerusalem. So those will be the three places that we'll talk about. And then the groups of people that he deals with there. Okay. Now look at verse number three. It says, now when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand and sailed into Syria and landed at Tyre. For the ship was to unlade her burden. And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. So here's, here's what's happening. Uh, they are, the Holy Spirit is revealing to those believers that something, I, I, I say, something bad is going to happen. We know he's going to be arrested. And God is warning uh, Paul about what's going to take place in the in Jerusalem. So they're saying, don't go. Don't go. We don't want you to go. Uh, you don't need to go to Jerusalem. It's going to be bad when you get there. So look in verse number uh, look in verse number 10. Look in verse number 10. All right. They've sailed. They've left Tyre and they've sailed down to Caesarea. And, and let's look in verse number 10. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus, 
And when he was coming to us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now watch what happens. Watch what happens when they hear that. And when we, now we, that's including the writer, which would be Luke, Luke is in the company with them. And he says, when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. So they begin to tell him, don't go, don't go. You can't go up there. And it was pretty intense too. Look what Paul says. Then Paul answered, what mean ye to weep and to break my heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we see saying, saying, the will of the Lord be done. The will of the Lord be done. Now, let's skip down to verse 17. This, this, this company, uh, this traveling uh, group that includes uh, Paul and Luke and, and several of the, the Gentiles there, they are moving from Caesarea. Now they're going to Jerusalem, which is about a three-day three journey from Caesarea on foot. And, and so now they come into Jerusalem in verse 17. Get to verse 17. And when we were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. And the day following, Paul went in with us unto James, and all the elders were present. And when he had saluted them, he declared particularly what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. So you have the first day they're there. They welcomed them, received them. Uh, it was a day of, uh, it was a day of fellowship. It was a day of greeting. The next day is a little more official. Uh, he, he comes to officially report, uh, his ministry, report what God had done in, in all of the Gentile churches. And this, so this is where we find in verse number 18. And the day following, Paul went in with us unto James, and all the elders were present. And when he had saluted them, he declared particularly what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. Now, that, that declared particularly means he went uh, story by story, line by line. He went in, in detail everything that God did. I mean, he's not leaving out anything. He's given them in detail all of his ministry, all of what God has accomplished and what God has done. Now, verse number 20. And when they, and I, watch this, watch this, watch this. Paul is given detail. I mean, just, just instance after instance, prayer after prayer, answered prayer after answered prayer, move of God after move of God, salvation after salvation, church after church being planted. He's, he's laying out all these details. Now watch their response. Watch their response. When they heard that, they glorified the Lord and said unto him, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe, and they are all zealous of the law. And they are informed of thee that thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought to circums, or, or they ought not to circumcise their children, neither to walk after the customs. What is it therefore? What is it therefore? I don't know if you caught that or not, but it just seems like it's okay, all right, you planted some churches, some people gotta say, now let's talk about this stuff that's going on around here. So you know, you know there was there was talk going on and rumors being spread 
before Paul ever got there. And so, so with that, we'll come back to that here in just a minute. <clears throat> it says, what is it therefore? The multitude must needs come together for they will hear that thou art come. Do therefore this that we say to thee, we have four men which have a vow on them. Them take and purify thyself with them and be at charges with them. And they may, that they may shave their heads and all may know that these, those things whereof they were informed concerning thee are nothing, but that thou thyself also walkest orderly and keepest the law. Now let's skip down to verse number 26. Skip down to verse 26. Then Paul took the men and the next day, purifying himself with them, entered into the temple to signify the accomplishment of the days of purification until that an offering should be offered for every one of them. And when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews which were of Asia, when they saw him in the temple, stirred up all the people and laid hands on him, crying out, men of Israel, help, help. This is the man. This is him that teacheth all men everywhere against the people and the law in this place. And they further, he brought Greeks also into the temple and hath polluted this holy place. For see, they had seen before with him in the city, uh, Trophimus and Ephesian, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. And all the city was moved and the people ran together and they took Paul and drew him out of the temple and forthwith the doors were shut. And as they went about to kill him, tidings came under the chief captain of the band and, and that all Jerusalem was in an uproar, who immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down unto them. And when they saw the chief captain and the soldiers, they left beating of Paul. Then the chief captain came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains and demanded who he was and what he had done, what he had done. Now let's pray and we'll take and, and, and give you the outline and, and look at the, the, look at the, the several truths that we have here tonight. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm so grateful and thankful for your word. I'm so thankful for the privilege and the opportunity to share it and study it and learn it. Uh, Lord, you have been so good to us. Lord, I'm excited. I'm so excited about the Sunday and, 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 and Lord, being able to come, come back together in fellowship and come back together and worship you together as a church body and a church family. Lord, I pray that you will bless that day. I pray that you will put your spirit upon it. I pray that you'll anoint it in such a way that it, uh, Lord, it will be obvious that your presence is in this place. Lord, bless us tonight. We need your unction tonight. I need you to direct everything I say. Lord, direct my thought process, direct my heart, my mind. And Lord, I pray that your perfect will be done. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Let's go back. Let's go back and look at three different groups of people. All right. Three different groups of people that Paul is dealing with and Paul has to, uh, uh, he has to approach and he has to associate with and has to really, uh, he, he has to prove his purpose, if you will. He has to show what he is here to do and what God has planned for his life. Now, uh, the first group I want you to see, if we're going to take notes, if you're writing notes down, I want you, we're going to call this group, we're going to call this group the logical. All right? Write that down. We're going to call this group the logical. Uh, uh, this is the group that, that operates by logic. This is the group that operates by what makes sense. Uh, 
This is the group that operates by what they can see, what makes sense around them, what they can understand, what they can figure out, right? Uh, this is, this is, this is the logical group, all right? Let's look in, let's look in verse number three again, all right? No, excuse me, verse number four. Look in verse number four. He says, in finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. They, they, they're, they're, they're begging him. Listen, uh, we feel in our spirit, we feel the Lord is telling us that, that, that this is, this is not going to end well for you. This is not going to be good. It's not going to be good if you go to Jerusalem. So please don't go. Please don't go. Now, he leaves there. He leaves there. That's, that's Tyre. He leaves Tyre and goes down the coast to Caesarea and he runs into a prophet. He runs into a prophet while he's there resting in Caesarea, fixing to make the, 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 the difficult journey up uh, to Jerusalem. And the prophet comes, the prophet Agabus comes, and he says in verse number 10, And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Now, now it's getting more specific. Now it's not just a feeling. It's not just we feel or, or we, we are being led by the Holy Spirit to tell you that it's not going to turn out good. Now he's getting specific. He says, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now watch what takes place. Watch what takes place. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Now, here's the thing. We have a, we have Paul. Uh, he's, it's his intention. Uh, it is his purpose uh, to go to Jerusalem. Now, here, we need to clarify something real quick. We need to clarify something real quick before we go into this, uh, because uh, there are some people that say, well, uh, God tried to tell Paul. God tried to tell Paul. Paul just would not listen. And, and God tried to tell Paul and, and he went anyway and he, he disobeyed God. That's why he got arrested. Baloney. That is not what happened. That is not number one. Paul was in touch with God. God, uh, comforted him. God encouraged him even when he was in Jerusalem. But this is, this is where I want you to go. I, I want to read a verse of what Paul says. <clears throat> he says in, in, uh, Acts 23, Acts 23, a couple chapters ahead, when he's given his defense and he's given his testimony, if you will, this is what he says, Acts 23, 1. And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Talking about in chapter 23. In other words, the decisions I've made, the places I've gone, I've followed the Lord the best of my ability. My conscience is clear when it comes to my following the Lord. Acts 24, the next chapter. Acts 24, 16. And here do it, herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Now, what does that mean? That means if Paul was being disobedient to God, in chapter 21, there's no way he could say he had a conscience void of offense toward God in chapter 23. So he was in God's will. He was following God's leadership. He was doing what God had called him to do. He was fulfilling. He was finishing his race. 
He was fulfilling his course that we, we studied last week. He was doing what God wanted him to do. But, but he ran into some logical folks. He ran into some folks that operated by what made sense. He went in, he, he ran into some folks that operated by what they could see. And so here's what I want you to write down under the logical. Write these two things down. First, I want you to see this. Their misunderstood perception. Their misunderstood perception. Now, what is perception? What is perception? It's, it's how you see things, right? Perception is how you see something. For instance, uh, people's perception of the same thing can be different. Let me illustrate. Uh, I've got a, <laughs> uh, I was going to use tacos, but, uh, I, let's use something a little different. Uh, I've got a plate, I've got a plate of, no, I'm going to use tacos because this is an illustration we used to use in our Hispanic service. Man, they cooked up some tacos the other day and they had some different kind of meat. And, uh, in, 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 in the meat, the meat was, uh, uh, cow tongue and cow cheek. Amazing. It was incredible. I thought it was wonderful. I ate like five tacos. And, and Becca, she don't hardly eat meat. A little bit of meat she'll eat is, 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 uh, chicken. She'll eat chicken, but that's about a, and, and she tried one taco and she was so proud of herself for trying that one taco. Uh, Cesar said she didn't really eat it. She just tried it, but it, in her mind, it qualified. Amen. And, but she perceived, she looked at that different. Let's use an oyster, for instance. I can look at an oyster and I can think, yum. And my wife can look at an oyster and she's ready to throw up. Her perception of the same object it's different. It's how she sees it. Are y'all getting that? I hope y'all are getting that. Your perception is how you see it. Watch this. Watch this. God is telling Paul, it's going to be bad when you get to Jerusalem. It's going to be bad when you get to Jerusalem. This is how the logical scene that. Don't go to Jerusalem. Don't go to Jerusalem. But But that's not how Paul saw it. Paul did not see these warnings as preventing as much as it was preparing. God wasn't preventing because God was going to use what took place in Jerusalem to ultimately get Paul to Rome. And so this was all part of God's plan. And God wasn't preventing him. God was preparing him. God was getting him ready to know what to expect and, and to know what to be ready for. But it's all in perspective. You see, the logical, <clears throat> the logical sees the bad. The logical sees the negative. And the logical thinks fleshly and carnally. Uh, the logical doesn't think spiritually. And the logical, they, they put into, they put into operation what makes sense to their mind. And they usually keep God out of the equation. But that's not how we should operate. The Bible says we do not walk by sight. We walk by faith. We do not walk by what we can see. We walk by faith in God. Paul said, I know it's bad. I know it's not going to be good when I get there. But I also know I'm in the perfect will of God for my life. I also know I'm going to finish my course. I'm going to finish my race. And his perception, 
His perception was godly. His perception was spiritual. He was looking at his his situation and his circumstances through spiritual eyes and through knowing that when God is through with him, he'll take him home and nothing can happen to him till he's ready. How's your perception? You see, they were logical. They, They were thinking logically. This doesn't make sense for you to go. This doesn't make sense for you to go. If you go, it's going to be bad. If you go, it's not going to turn out good. Don't go, please. And, and listen, it was so intense. It was so intense. They was weeping. I mean, they were broke down. And Paul says, man, you're killing me. Why, 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 are you, why are you weeping? And Man, you're breaking my heart. Knock it off. He said, I'm not, I'm not just ready to go be incarcerated. I'm not just ready to go bound and go to prison. Man, I'm ready to die for the name of the Lord Jesus. We see their, their, their misunderstood, their misunderstood perception. They didn't see it the way they need to see it. And guys, let me say something. And I'm not going to get too much into this because I know there's, there's a lot of different feelings on this matter. But ladies and gentlemen, you need to start looking at the lens of this world and the circumstances in this world through spiritual eyes. Because if you, you, you quit looking through spiritual eyes, you're going to be afraid of your own shadow. God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in trouble. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Now, I'm not saying do foolish things. And I'm not saying... You know, tempt the Lord thy God. Jesus said, when when the devil tempted, he said, cast yourself off. The angels won't let you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said, it also says, don't tempt the Lord thy God. I I understand all of that. But you can't live your life in, in a way only by what you can see. Because everything you can see looks bad. You won't never live and you won't never enjoy life if you only make decisions by what you can see. Let me ask you a question. It's not what you see. It's what he says. Make your decisions by what you know God has told you. He said, listen, I know this isn't logical. I know this doesn't make sense, but I'm going to Jerusalem. And I I love this part. I love this part. It says, it says, when he could not be persuaded. Now, I forgot to tell you B, so here's B, right B down. First, we see they're, they're, they're misunderstood, or what I say? Misunderstood? That's what I said. Misunderstood perception. But then they're misguided. Misguided persuasion. They're misguided persuasion. Now, now stay with me. Stay with me. Some of you are already mad because you think I'm talking about corona, and, you, and I ain't talking about masks, and I'm not talking about staying locked. I'm not. Just think spiritually now here's the thing watch this watch this we saw their misunderstood perception the way they seen things they didn't see things the way they needed to see it but in their misguided persuasion they said please don't go please don't go you can't go you can't go paul you can't go you can't now watch this most people of this type the logical type most people of this type always dwell on the negative. Always dwell on the negative. They said, please don't go. They didn't think about, they didn't think about the offering that was going to be a great blessing to those who were starving in Jerusalem. 
They didn't think about the report that was going to bring a lot of glory to God. They didn't think about the fact that Paul was in God's will doing what God wanted him to do. They only could see the negative. If all you ever do is operate in the logical and what you can see and what makes sense to you, you're never going to really see what God can truly do in your life until you're willing to accept that he knows what you don't know and he can do what you can't do. But most of the time, people in this, in this, and, and they're good people. These are, these are Paul's friends. This, this, these are not Paul's enemies that's speaking to him here. This, these, these are people that meant well, and they meant well by Paul. But they were thinking logically. And most of the time, most of the time, people with this type dwell on the negative. And most people of this type, here's their second thing I want you to see. Most people of this type, have good intentions. Watch this now. They have good intentions, but miss the will of God. Let that simmer a minute. A lot of times, when you operate in the logical instead of the spiritual, you're going to miss the will of God for your life. If David would have looked down in that valley... And he compared his size to Goliath's size. Logically speaking, that can't happen. He would have missed the will of God for his life. He would have missed the opportunity to be the champion that God wanted him to be. And a setup, by the way, a setup for the kingdom. If he'd have operated in logic. If he had operated in what made sense. If he had operated in in what looked like a good idea. Listen, they'd have missed the will of God. I'm telling you this right now. I was told not to come to temple. I just don't think that's a good idea. I don't, I don't think that's a good situation. It probably won't be. And if I'd have listened to that, and you know, some of the things, some of the things that they were saying to me about it, you know, by their perception, it didn't look like a good idea. It didn't look logical. But man, what we'd have missed out on if we'd have just operated in what made sense to us and not what we feel the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. Let me say this before I go on. I didn't took up too much time, 30 minutes on one point, but but here's, here's something I need you to, you, you got to get this before we go to the second point. <clears throat> I have, I have learned, I have learned in ministry that everybody's got an opinion. I'm going to let that sink in a minute. Everybody's got an opinion and everybody knows God's plan for my life. Think about it. Everybody's got an opinion and everybody wants to tell you what God wants you to do for your life. But guess what? Everybody don't know God's plan for your life. You can get good advice. The Bible says in in the multitude of counsel, there is safety. It's very good to get counsel. I don't think you should make any major decision without good godly counsel. But you have to be persuaded in your own mind what God is telling you to do. Nobody else on this planet can tell you God's will for your life. If Paul was listening to them other people who were his friends, who loved Paul dearly, who cared about Paul in such a way that they were, they were weeping. They were weeping. They cared so much about Paul, but they didn't know God's will for his life. 
They didn't know God's will for his life. What's my point? If God's leading you to do something illogical, if God is leading you to do something that's out of the out of the norm, out of the realm, and 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 and, and you're getting negativity from everybody, trust what God's telling you. Get good counsel, but trust what God's telling you. So he dealt with the logical. Secondly, secondly, write this down. He not only dealt with the logical, who 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 operated by sight and not by faith, but he op, he he had to deal with the legalistic. He had to deal with the legalistic. Now look what look what it says. He get, this is in verse seventeen. He gets to Jerusalem. He gets to Jerusalem, and and I can I'm, I'm telling you. Any preacher, any preacher, I don't care who you are, I, 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 I love preachers. I love preachers. I'm from, I'm from a preacher's family and all, you know, that song's all my heroes have been cowboys. Well, mine's been preachers. That's all my heroes. I, I, I don't have, I, I don't have no, no ball players for heroes or, or any of that nature. All my heroes have been preachers and, and preachers love, they love to tell you what God's doing in their ministry. They do. Anytime they have, God does something big, God does something great. Man, they cannot wait. They are excited. They are ready to tell someone, let me tell you what God's done. Let me tell you what God's doing. So I know, I know, man, Paul has got to be chomping at the bits to get to Jerusalem and say, man, let me, t- I cannot wait. Let me tell you what God has done. Let me tell you what God did in, in, in Ephesus. Let me tell you what God did in Macedonia. Let me tell you what God did in all these places. This is so great. And he, man, he's so built up and he's so ready and he shares with them, and they do say glory to God. But immediately, immediately they hit him three things. Write this down, quick, 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 quick. I don't want to spend a lot of time. We'll get to the third one. Uh, first, we see the rumors. <clears throat> first, we see the rumors. They said, well, that's great. That's wonderful. Man, we're glad for those saved. But we've heard... It's going around. Look what it says. They glorified the Lord, verse 20, and said unto him, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe. In other words, there were thousands of believers, Jewish believers. But watch what it says. They are all zealous of the law. In other words, they're all very Jewish still. And they, watch this. And they are informed of thee. Let me translate that. We heard. Now, 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 now we heard. They, 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 they've been told. They've been told. They, they, they've heard. Now I've got a definition. <clears throat> I got a definition to the word rumor. Here's what, it, here's what the word rumor means. A statement, now pay close attention, pay close attention. Some of y'all might need to hear this. Some of y'all might need to hear this. You might be guilty of spreading rumors. Watch this. A statement or report current without known authority for its truths. Let me say that again. Don't turn me off. Don't turn me off. Turn that volume back up. Come on, stay with me. Watch this. What is a rumor? A statement or report current without known authority for its truth. Listen, a rumor is something that's said that they have no idea if it's true or not. No authority behind it. No backing behind it. Well, I heard it. 
I saw it on the internet. We're just going to leave that alone because I'll never finish this message if I deal with that right there. Uh, rumors begin to spread. What were the rumors? Paul's going around telling Paul's going around telling Jews they need to quit being Jews. He's telling don't you don't need to you don't need to circumcise your children. Uh, you should stop. Uh, they they they're accusing him of speaking against the temple. They're speaking him uh, or, or or accusing him of speaking against the law, against God's word. And here's the deal. Let's 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 examine the facts. Let's examine the facts. What did, what did Paul say in, I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I, I, I put it twice in my outline because I'm going to use it in both ways. But this is what Paul said in his ministry. This is how he focused. Now, let me say, let me go back, let me go back. Keep in mind, keep in mind that many years before, many years before, they had a Jerusalem conference, if you remember, on how do the Gentiles come to Christ? And there was an argument. There was an argument about, uh, did they have to become Jewish to be saved? In other words, they believe on Christ, yet they got to conform to Judaism. And, and, and this is what they come up with. That is not necessary. That is not required. They don't have to be circumcised. They don't have to conform to Judaism to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not going to put that bondage on them. All right. But that was primarily just for the Gentiles, all right? That's what that's what they come up with because they reminded them of that in this chapter. And so Paul takes that truth and he goes all over the Mediterranean, planting churches, winning people to Christ, yet there's a group of people that follow him like a bunch of vultures and sharks, and everywhere he goes planting churches, they come behind him and falsely preach and teach that they had to be Judaized, they had to become Jews and proselytes, they had to follow the law and submit to the temple and submit to the sacrifices and submit to the ordinances and all of the ceremonial requirements, and you have to become Jewish to be saved. Well, Paul refuted that. Paul refuted that, and, and now this is what's happening. Those same people, those same people have come back to Jerusalem and they're spreading lies about Paul telling not just the Gentiles that they don't have to be Jewish, but he's speaking against the temple, and he's speaking against the law, and he's speaking against Judaism, all right? Which all of that was lies. All of that was lies. Now, watch what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9. In 1 Corinthians 9, it says, verse 19, For though I be free from all men... Yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Unto the Jews, I became, what? As a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. He didn't go against them and teach them to go against the temple. Matter of fact, the exact opposite was true. He became like them. He, he acted Jewish around them. He helped, he, he celebrated their ceremonies with them. He even, we just studied, we just studied a couple weeks ago, he made a Jewish vow and came back to the temple for that vow. He was, he loved God's law. He loved God's word and God's way. Listen, he, 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 this was a lie. This was a lie. Now watch. Look at your notes if you got them. 
Now, it seems incredible. It seems incredible that Paul's enemies would accuse him of these things. For all the evidence was against them. Paul had Timothy circumcised before taking him along on the second missionary journey. That wasn't so he could be saved. That was so he could have a good testimony with the Jews. The whole point was so he could be able to witness to the Jews. All right? Paul had taken a Jewish vow while in Corinth. It was his custom not to offend the Jews in any way by deliberately violating their customs or the law of Moses. However, however, rumors are not usually based on fact, but thrive on half-truths, prejudices, and outright lies. It's, I, I, I read something, I hope I quote it right. It said, it's amazing that rumors don't have a leg to stand on, but they can travel really fast. Ain't that something? Listen, they were all lies. These were rumors that were being spread by the Judaizers because they hated Paul. And they hated his liberty. They hated his freedom. Now, secondly, we see the request. We see the request. The the church leaders there, they were worried about this. Now, I particularly don't really care for what they asked Paul to do. Because to me, it felt like compromise. And 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 anyway, my opinion doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Uh they wanted to they wanted to try to assuage the situation. They wanted to try to calm the 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 issue. And so they they asked Paul, there were four men that had a vow just like Paul did that we studied a couple weeks ago. A Nazarite vow where they would let their hair grow out, would not cut their hair as long as the vow was intact, and it was time to finish the vow. And if you'll remember, we studied this. If you'll remember, they, they would go, they would go to the temple and, and they would go through a ceremony, a purification ceremony. They would go through a hair cutting ceremony, uh, and offer the sacrifices and there would be charges. There would be money charged for the ceremony, each ceremony and the sacrifice offered. And so, what the Jewish, the, 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 the church leaders asked Paul, said, now Paul, here's what we want you to do. Here's the request. We want you to join in with these four and we want you to pay. We want you to pay for the ceremonies and you pay for the sacrifices and you just join in and go through the purification process with them. In other words, they were trying to pacify. They were trying to pacify, uh, the feelings of these Jews that were, they were believers, but yet they were still adamant about Judaism. Now, the question could be asked, why are they still adamant about Judaism? Because the, the temple was still intact. It hadn't been destroyed yet. That didn't happen until AD 70. And so they're still going to the temple. They're still doing the ceremonies. They're still keeping the feast. And, and it was their conviction or their conscience. Now, what did God say about it? What did God say about it? Uh, here, here's what, here's what Paul said. Paul said, here's what I, I need you to do. If, if you feel like you need to go, then go. If you feel like it's okay not to go, then, then don't go. If, if, if some people hold this day special, some people hold this and, 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 and this day alike. He says, if you, if you have a conviction about keeping this day special, keep it special. If you don't, don't, but don't put pressure on the other one. In other words, there's freedom. God never told them they couldn't uh, keep those ceremonies or couldn't keep those feasts. But he's saying, don't put pressure on the one who sees that it's not necessary. Matter of fact, 
Paul said it this way. He called, he called those who felt like they still needed to go to the temple and felt like they still needed to follow, uh, 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 strictly by the law, uh, not for salvation, but for, for being right with God. Then, then he said they were the weaker. They were the weaker brothers. And he said, you go by your conscience. That's what God said. Was it okay for them to go to the temple? Yeah. It was fine. God didn't prevent them. God, now remember, if you go back a couple weeks ago, you'll find out this is a transition. Remember? Remember, I hope y'all are staying with this now. This is a period of transition. It was very difficult moving from, you know, 1400 years of doing God and church one way and religion one way. And now all of a sudden things change. You know, it was difficult, very difficult for Paul. It was difficult for Peter. It was difficult for the apostles, and there's a slow transition. Matter of fact, it's so difficult that God wrote a whole book. A whole book. It's the book of Hebrews. Do you know what? You know what the book of Hebrews was? It was a letter to the Hebrews about telling them to quit being Hebrews. That's what it was. That the new covenant is better than the old covenant. Well, anyway, anyway, I was kind of running a rabbit there. Uh the leader said, here's what we'll do. You you go through this ceremony with them, and what it would do, they would come and go through the purification ceremony. Then they would wait seven days and then offer the sacrifices on the seventh day. So that's what happened. Paul went in with them, paid for everything. He's going, and I, 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 I forgot. You have the rumors. You have the request. Then look at C. Write C down. You have the response. You have the response. I almost, I almost jumped the gun here. You have the response. Now, this is what I want to say about that. Paul is a seasoned, a seasoned, battered, spiritual warrior who is a veteran. He is a seasoned man of God who was no no other man of God in that day. No other apostle, no other preacher, no other teacher, no other missionary was anywhere close to his level. None. Zero. Nobody did what he did. Nobody accomplished what he accomplished. Nobody got to see what he saw. He went to the third heaven and came back. But what did he do? What did he do when they asked him to do something that really he wasn't required to do? He he didn't have to do it. What did he do? Okay. You know what I see? You know what I see? Humility. Humility. A seasoned... I hope you are seeing this. Paul could have just said, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. That, that, that ain't even right with God. They don't, they shouldn't feel that way. That was nothing but lies. But he didn't. That's what I would have wanted to do. That's probably why I'm not Paul. But he said, he submitted. If this was going to help, if this was going to help the Jerusalem church, if this was going to be a blessing, if this was going to be an encouragement, if this was going to stop the uproar, I'm willing to submit and do something I'm really not required to do. I don't have to do it. Now let's go back to what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Watch this. Watch, watch, what, he, watch what he says. Now let, let me read this. Let me read this. Watch. He agreed to do it. 
Now, if it had been a matter, now pay close attention right here. If it had been a matter involving somebody's personal salvation, you can be sure that Paul would have never cooperated. For that would have compromised his message of salvation by grace. But this was a matter of personal conviction on the part of the Jewish believers who were given the freedom to accept or reject the customs. In other words, what, what, what that is saying is that these believers were true believers, but they had true, serious, serious convictions about what they should do and how they should live. And you know what, Paul, even though Paul knew that it was ridiculous, Paul knew that it was not necessary. Paul knew that they had freedom in Christ. But yet, in order to protect those immature Christians and those immature believers, he was willing to submit and do something that was not even required of him. His humility, his willingness, his love for these uninformed believers. Now watch, now watch, watch what he says. Same verse we read a while ago. 1 Corinthians 9. For though I be free, watch this, for though I be free from all men. In other words, I didn't have to do that. I didn't have to be part of this purification ceremony. I didn't have to, to show my Jewishness and my, my love for the, the Jewish religion or the Jewish law. I didn't have to do that. I'm free from all men. Yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. That I might gain the more. Under the Jews, I became a Jew as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without the law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. Let's talk about the Gentiles. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things. Watch this now. Watch this. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. And this, watch this, here's the deal. This I do for the gospel's sake that I might be partaker thereof with you. Wow. What a man of God. I'm, I'm humbling myself in doing these things for the gospel's sake. Listen, legalism is a terrible thing in our day. <clears throat> and I'm not, I'm not even going to run that rabbit. I'm not even going to run that rabbit. Here's the deal. Thirdly, thirdly, write this down. There's so much I want to say about that, but we just, we, we can't. Maybe, maybe later. First, he dealt with the logical. <clears throat> then he dealt with the legalistic. Now he's got to deal with the lethal. Those that want to destroy him. Let me give you these two things, and, and I'm really not going to preach it because we're going to spend some time next week on it. Uh, here's two things, and then we'll give you the announcements. The lethal. We see the assumption that they exploit. What happened? All right, Paul's in the, Paul's in the, in the temple. He's following through with that ceremony. And, uh, and there just happens to be, there just happens to be some Jews uh, that were in Ephesus and they recognized Paul and they recognized his message that he preached in Ephesus and they recognized that they had an Ephesian with him, Trophimus. And, 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 and so 
wherever they assumed, they assumed wherever Paul went, he took the he took those Gentiles with him. Now you got to remember, in the temple there was there was a court of the Gentiles where the Gentiles were allowed to come, but they could not go past that area into the into go on into the temple area in the temple place where a Jew was allowed to go, and so. They saw Paul in the temple and they assumed that he took Trophimus with him in there and they caused a riot. All right. So we see a, we see a, the assumption that they exploit. They just assume that Paul took a Gentile into the temple. Then B, the accusation, the accusation they employ. So what did they do with that? They used that as an opportunity to accuse him. Verse number 28. Verse number 28, they cried out, men of Israel, help. This is the man that teacheth all men everywhere against the people and the law. And the, what are they doing? They are repeating the lying rumors that was said in the beginning. All right. And the law and this place and further brought Greeks also into the temple and hath polluted this holy place. What happened? They attack him. They attack Paul, they take him out, they take him out of the temple and begin to beat him. This is a savage mob, and they are beating, and they would have killed Paul. They would have killed Paul right there if God hadn't intervened. If you see on the on, on the northwest corner, on the northwest corner of the, the court complex, the temple complex, is uh, the Antonia Fortress. And that's where, that's where the, uh, 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 the soldiers, the Roman soldiers, uh, that's where they stayed. That's where they were, that's where they were stationed. And they saw it. You could see it. You overlooked the courtyard and they saw what was going on. And so they rushed down. They rushed down. The people saw it. They quit beating on Paul. They were afraid they were going to get arrested too. And so the, the Roman soldiers intervened. Now let's look in verse number 33 and we'll quit. Verse 33. Then the chief captain came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two, what's that word? Chains. Commanded him that he be bound with two chains and demanded who he was and what he had done. Let's stop right there. What happened? What happened? The prophecy, the prophecy that Agabus pronounced came to pass. Paul is now in chains. And Paul will remain in chains, figuratively, sometimes literally, sometimes figuratively, until the end of his life. He has now become the witness in chains. Now, we think, that's terrible. No, it's all part of God's plan. God's going to use these chains. And Paul told Timothy several times, don't be ashamed of my chains. God is using the chains to accomplish his purpose. He had to deal with the lethal. Paul's had to deal with a lot of people, but his life is completely changed at this point. His ministry is completely changed at this moment. He's no longer a free man to be able to go where he wants to go. Now he's in chains and he's okay with it. Because why? Why? I wish we had time to go into what happens right after this. We'll have to wait the next week. But he was able to respond calmly to this situation and to the trials ahead. Why? Because if we go back a few verses, we find out that God had prepared him for it. 
He prepared him. God had told him ahead of time, this is what you can expect. This is what's going to happen. And so Paul was ready. Paul was ready. Tonight we talked about the logical. We talked about the legalistic. And we talked about the lethal. We all have to face some of these crowds sooner or later. Face it like Paul. Know you're in God's will. Know you're in God's will. That's the, that's the first thing. Know God's will and be persuaded by it. Be persuaded. The Bible says when they could not persuade him, they held their peace and said, watch what they said, the Lord's will be done. Church, say amen right there. Amen.